Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic is chiseling out culture for the digital age. And I have Darren Hubbard, Chief Information Officer with Wayne State University. Hi, Darren. How are you? Good, Sanjak. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. Honored to have you. And we have Dr. Jonathan Reckenthal, who is the Chief Information Officer with City of Palo Alto. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Hi. Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Great, great. So it's a beautiful morning, and we also wanted to talk about some creativity that Michelangelo, the famous sculptor, uh, he used where he saw an image in a block of marble and then focused on chiseling it out, and that he did by removing the extra. So the, the premise of this topic is in the digital age, we know we need to have culture in place, and that's actually been reported as the top barrier to proper digital transformation. And the culture is not about just bringing something new, but in fact, identifying what we need to remove also so that you're in a way chiseling out the culture, which will help prevent the risk aversion, the lack of customer centricity, and the siloed mindsets that you see in the organization, which hold them back. So, to that, uh, Darren, I'll start with you as the first question. We know everyone wants to think digital and is going digital. And there is a lot of uh, talk and action related to technologies, the people, the processes, the whole performance infrastructure. We also talk culture. But then that culture is still to be defined on what would that look like compared to what you have today. So could you give uh, your view of what that culture looks like? Sure. So I think when you talk about culture, it's it's, it's important to uh, state and, and really affirm the fact that folks come into an organization, into any type of situation with uh, some pre preconceived notions and ideas about what they need to do to be successful in that organization. And, and when you're talking about trying to move that total organization to more of a digital culture, you have to really first deal with where people are coming from. And so with that, we've tried uh, here at Wayne State, for example, uh, to really embrace and, and affirm that folks have knowledge, they have skills, they have ideas, and really trying to support those as they are applied to digital environments. And so if you are one, uh, you know, in an institution of higher learning, you've got a lot of faculty, you have a lot of researchers, folks who are knowledgeable about a lot of different topics. And in a lot of ways, digital... Uh, or not, does not change any of that knowledge that they have. Really, the digital and the the use of the new technologies really then help to uh, spread out their knowledge a little bit further or help them to disseminate it further. So we really like to work with them to not to change the way that they do their work wholesale, but to really try to leverage what they are already doing more effectively, more efficiently through using this new technology. And so really trying to go digital is about adapting what's positive, what works for them already, and helping them to extend what they are already doing to new mediums, uh, on new platforms, with new tools. So very well said, Darren. Now, Jonathan, when we look at digital, it's it, to me and to many that I speak with, 
digital is of course about technology but more than that it's about rethinking the very experience that we offer uh, as a result of whatever we do whether we take care of what the customer wants or how we run things internally and that is to be looked at besides just technology there are there may be some other dimensions we have to think or rethink what would those be yeah, I think culture is more important today than, than ever before. And, and you know, w- w- what we're seeing today is a, is a world in which you know, two companies, two organizations can have access to the same raw materials, you know, a lot of times to equal amounts of skill. Uh, you know, so what differentiates two companies? And it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to culture. And culture then is going to influence the way in which an organization can embrace uh, their digital transformation. I've been sort of thinking about and being involved in, in digital transformation, transformations in, in, in some form for many years now. And, you know, we, we think about it in terms of technology, but in, in reality, because we all have access to the same tech, again, um, it, it, it's going to be much more about how uh, the organization approaches it, the behaviors, uh, all the characteristics uh, of, of culture. So I think uh, more than ever, uh, the if your organization has started or in the middle of your so-called digital transformation, uh, you better be really looking at: Do you have the culture to enable that? Do you, have you created an environment where people's ideas are embraced, where people are having fun, right? Where uh, people feel uh, that they can take uh, risks, um, where if they fail, they'll be supported to try the next idea. So. Um, fundamentally, it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it, you've got to super focus on, 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 this, on this topic today, on the culture piece, if you're going to make digital transformation work. And, and to that end, Darren, when you look at the word culture, it is very fluid or rather very subjective for many. And it is rightfully so because each organization may have you know, something different happening, the different customers, the different internal workflows, etc., so when you are looking at culture, are there any common denominators that you would say are critical that we at least get that foundation built? And of course, then you tweak or do that custom layer for yourself, for your organization. Sure. I think there are some common themes that you can really uh, get people around and get people to, to agree upon. And again, I, you know, I've always worked in higher education and uh, for us, I think that culture around student success and, and sort of faculty excellence are things that we can embrace and really try to mold the culture around. And so doing things, whether it be administrative tasks or uh, things that support higher learning or research endeavors, if they are focused around those two base items of student success and, and faculty excellence, I think things can grow from there and things also can uh, shape and reform themselves to, to better support those those two ideals. Uh, but you, you really do have to start, I think, at a common point because, again, folks have different uh, perspectives and, and different focus areas inside the organization. But if we can agree on those two main things uh, to really get our culture to wrap around and, and serve each other, I think we have a better better chance of success in that way. So when we make our effort, Jonathan, we know that one part of us is saying, okay, let's see if we can get people within the organizations to behave in a certain manner. 
which could in some cases be fruitful, but in many other cases could also be a risk because this could be a superficial um, output or something that you're seeing. But essentially, a culture is developed when a person is doing the right things or things conducive to the digital when no one is looking. That means you're talking mindset. Is there a, like I would say, an advanced level of effort that needs to go in which will allow you to traverse from just shifting the mindset which is conducive to digital to actually a mindset where then these people turn out as catalyst versus a bunch of sheep that you are trying to be a shepherd for? Yeah. Um, well, it, one thing that organizations have to recognize is that uh, y- you don't, shift culture, you know, in a, in a two-month initiative. You know, th- th- this is for the long term. Uh, and, you know, it's, so it, it requires a significant commitment from uh, leadership, first of all. They have to make that choice. And, and then it's working with the organization for uh, a long time to, to make the shift. You know, some companies never, never make the change. Uh, I, I was thinking about uh, the famous story of, of Kodak and you know, people say uh, Kodak failed because they didn't see you know, digital cameras. They didn't see the digital phenomena happen. Uh, and that's actually wrong. Uh, the reality is Kodak created the first digital camera. They were actually ahead of the game. And so why did they fail? It was really a failure of culture. You know, they, they, they thought that uh, they could continue to market, you know, their existing business and sort of overcome the other so the major trend that was happening in the marketplace and their environment, their leadership, their management, their people uh, were not in a position where they could um, quickly pivot to uh, a completely new mindset, uh, you know, start thinking about a different way of doing business, a different way of um, that, that, that eventually they, they would have to radically change uh, in, in how they approach what they were doing to be able to compete and be successful. And they didn't, and, it, and, and the, the rest is history. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. I think it has to come at sort of uh, at the, from the very beginning of recruitment uh, right through to all the different aspects of you know, the experience an individual has at a business. When I look at the city of Palo Alto, and particularly my team, uh, I always talk about sort of what's it like today recruiting versus what it was like when we started our, our transformation five years ago. Well, real quick, when we would have an opening at this, in my team, we'd be lucky if we got maybe five to ten people applying. And today when we have an opening, we get 100 people, maybe 150 people. Um, and I'm very proud of that number because we're competing, we're sort of competing with Facebook and Google and LinkedIn, all the other folks who are around uh, in my neighborhood. And, and the reason is, and I ask people when they, when they come to the interview, why, why are you applying? Um, because we have, uh, we, we've, we've been successful in communicating that we have a culture uh, that uh, creates meaning, uh, that, that is a culture that's, that's, that's fun, uh, where people come to work, they have a purpose. Um, that's where culture starts. You know, recruit in terms of like how you can make a you know, change every single day is, is how you recruit. And that, that's an area... Uh, also to focus on. Yeah, I'd like so, to piggyback on, on what he said really quick, if, if we could. Sure. Um, I think a lot of what, he, what, what Jonathan just mentioned is around empowering folks when they first get in the door, that if you've got a, a culture established in your organization and you empower your, uh, your team members as they come on board, that, yeah, this is a place that embraces 
new technology that embraces the the ability for folks to add positively to the organization, then cultural shifts or, or mindset shifts are, are things that you don't necessarily have to continue to, to build or try to start. They are in place from the very beginning, and you just leverage them continually and promote and uh, really affirm that folks have that power to really embrace things and, and to make change uh, from their own personal level. And um, so to that, Darren, when we look at going digital and then trying to become uh, a conducive culture for it, we on one hand would like to know what are we pursuing, but at the other end, digital is not something a destination. It's going to be a journey because today you are pursuing one set of capabilities or what your organization, what your customer wants. But the customer is going to be fickle. The environment is going to be changing fast. It could be another. So are we not better off saying no to that holy grail definition or blueprinting and just focus on becoming better internally for us to serve uh, the best externally. Yeah, I would say the latter is probably true. It's definitely true for me and my organization. We focus on continuous improvement. And I, I like to tell folks, even though we're a technology organization, it's not about the technology. It's about our ability to support individuals, our partners on our campus and our environment uh, to do better the things that they need to do to move the whole organization forward. And so if we sit and sit back and, you know, kind of in our in our silo and, and divine some, you know, blueprint to, uh, you know, future technology success, we are going to miss the mark. You know, the technology is always going to change. It's always going to uh, be renewed. You know, we still have Moore's Law in effect, and, and that, that trickles down to everything that we do around technology. And so we have to focus on adding the value and really having a culture that supports us being able to work uh, side by side in partnership with our, you know, sort of business areas and, and our main customers inside our organization, but then also within with each other as technologists to embrace what's new and and not be so wedded to our particular, you know, religion around our our technology choices, but really to focus on how can we use all these tools that we may have at our disposal to move uh, the whole organization forward. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Jonathan, I might throw a curveball at you on this one, where a leadership uh, is defined where someone allows other people to follow a vision. That means you define a vision, and then other people follow it. But guess in in the digital age, we just discussed, and uh, at least uh, Darren, you had uh, endorsed the fact that you can truly not be just preparing for tomorrow. And if you don't prepare for tomorrow or the day after, that means it's tough to really put a blueprint or a vision in place. And when you don't have a vision in place, what is the basis of someone following a leader? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? 
If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Jonathan, here is uh, an interesting twist where digital age means everything could change tomorrow. When you bring people in, as you mentioned, when people come to you and competing with Googles and Facebooks of the world, you give or promise them a journey and a good journey. But without a a good enough vision, you cannot really have uh, them follow a certain path. And without that, they might get confused. That's the risk, at least. So especially in digital age, without having a clear or, or uh, not having a vision, how would you lead the troops and how will you, in fact, even build a culture without having an end goal in mind? Well, you're at a disadvantage if you, if you don't have a vision. Um, but, but here's some interesting sort of data on this topic. Uh, there, there's a Harvard Business Review survey uh, done in 2013. People were asked in their organizations whether they know their, their organization's vision. And the, the answer was sobering. 70% didn't know their organization's vision. That'll, that translates into 70% of people who come to work don't know what they're working for. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, you think they're doing tasks. Um, and th- this is something I, I, when I get in front of a lot of the tech audiences I speak to, I, I, I tell them, when you go back to the office, talk to your teams about your vision, <laughs> you know, ha- have that discussion because you've got to come into work and actually know what the, the higher purpose is. I mean, that's what people want. Um, so, in my team, we, we, when I first got here, we created this pretty high-level vision to build and enable a leading digital city. And, and so that, that's a pretty lofty goal. And, and I think to your point earlier, uh, when we were talking offline there, Sanjog, you, you said you know, it, it, it can't be written such that it means nothing, right? Uh, and I agree with that. So you know, uh, we have to have discussions that are at, at all our meetings, in our, in our division meetings, in our all-hands meetings, about what does it mean to us. Uh, how, how, what does that look like in terms of actions? And, yeah, on, on, a, on a weekly basis, things are going to shift. There's going to be a new tech. There's going to be a new cool thing or a new project. Uh, but fundamentally, we're, we're all marching towards uh, what we aspire to be, and that's that vision to be uh, uh, now a leading uh, smart and digital city. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, the feedback I've received is uh, pe- people – you know, have a good understanding of, you know, the big picture that they might not know uh, on any given week uh, where we're at in terms of um, the, the, the journey or, or whether we're, we're headed in the right direction, but they know what the, 
what the overall goal is, and you, you can it, it, it has created the right context for the right discussions, um, and and uh, ultimately we can always go back to you know this is where we are headed. We 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 made some twists and turns, but we're we we know what the destination is. And and to that end, um, Darren, when you look at an organization and you are trying to create that vision and subsequently the culture, it truly cannot be done in the ivory tower or no. the corner office. And if you are looking to get people to provide you uh, a view of what they would like to see, you could get, I mean, you talk thousand people, you'll get thousand inputs. Who do you keep happy? How do you come up with a gross aggregate, if you will, aggregate view, which you then convert into a vision? And especially when you're dealing with everything being in flux, because today they may say, I want this type of, not a culture, but this is the type of work that I would like to do, which is which I'll find meaningful. Tomorrow something changes, they may say, uh, my, my, my needs, my aspirations, my desires have changed. So do you, do you keep playing this moving target vision exercise? Uh, actually, no. I, I kind of keep the, the vision of the organization relatively simple and straightforward. I think much like Jonathan stated for, you know, for the city of Palo, Palo Alto to you know, be a, this great digital and smart city, uh, from Wayne State University in terms of technology, our goal is to provide the best technology experience, you know, whatever that may be. And so with that, we take our show on the road, so to speak, to go and interface and build partnerships with all the key campus uh stakeholders and community members and take from that, you know, literally that listening tour that that's always uh, underway, uh, take from that the, the specific things that need to be adjusted or, or focused on in route to that excellent technology experience. And so I think as we work with our teams, as we really try to communicate what that overall vision is, we just have to be consistent around. We're trying to be the best. We're trying to do things in a way that promotes the overall goals of the university. And we're trying to bring the best technology to bear on that experience. And again, having a vision like that, that's easy to communicate to your teams, easy to communicate to the people who you support, it's easy then to take in that information and then apply the best technology that you have access to at that particular time to get you down the road further, to, closer to that goal. We understand, too, that, you know, those goals and, and goals are meant and visions are meant to be a little bit lofty so that you're always striving to them because no one wants to work in an organization that's stagnant or felt like they've, you know, accomplished something and, and now we just have to, you know, play defense. Folks really like environments uh, to work in that are pushing forward, that are always out there trying to find the better way, uh, the better how to build the better mousetrap, so to speak. And, uh, you know, there's a great book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And in it, he talks a lot about developing what he called the hedgehog principle, you know, sort of this simple principle or idea or concept that can keep your organization fresh on its feet and really moving towards uh, sort of higher and, and better articulated goals and visions for, for success. And so we try to take that principle and and foster it in a way that we can all work around it and work to it, to it and toward it. And so uh, in terms of a vision, we, we try to keep it simple and communicate and get information back to help build on it. So getting real, uh, Jonathan, when we look at these visions, right? So uh, 
uh, Darren mentioned that he likes to, as part of the vision, bring the best technology. And you mentioned about helping city become the best digital city. All of that is good, but then when a person is getting buried with 20 different projects, you introduce agile uh, approach where a person literally doesn't get a chance to breathe. The happiness, the fun, bringing, uh, having parties or bringing your dog to the office, all of those cool things to some, like it, it goes to a certain extent, but then it may not really lead you to build that culture that you want when people are getting burnt out. So can you realistically have a culture which is conducive to the digital age, allow the organization to move fast enough and not burn the very people who constitute the culture? Well, this happens all the time. And and so it, it, it does take an enlightened and engaged organization to identify those, those symptoms and, and do something about it. You, you know, I always say uh, it, it's really easy when things are going good uh, to say, uh, you know, you, you, you got a great culture. You know, as you said, you can you get uh, you have celebrations. Uh, things are smooth. I think what defines a culture is uh, how how the organization behaves when when things are not going so well. Uh, and, and so, you know, so you, in in the example you you paint there, where perhaps uh, the organization needs to quickly shift to uh, to upgrade a product or, or develop a new uh, solution. And so it's all hands on deck, and, and, and things get dicey. Um, how does the culture then operate? Do do people help each other? Uh, are they? Uh, what happens when there's tension, or you know, people are frustrated? Uh, is there an outlet for that? Is there a respect for um, you know people when they they uh, demonstrate? In, in, in all sorts of ways, a high degree of, of frustration. Uh, and, and those are telling. You, you know, we're, we're in the IT business. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, if you've got a good IT organization, you know, everyday things are just, they, they, they kind of run and you do your projects and you run your data center. Uh, but from time to time, we have some exciting moments where, uh, you know, there's a there's a DDoS attack or there's a major system that's down and you can't put your finger on it, and very quickly things get uh, difficult. And you know, I, I kind of always like to stop the team and say, now is our time to shine. I mean, this is this is where we're going to show what we're about is how we behave over the next few days. Um, it won't be about. Uh, if we start hating on each other and you know stopping people from expressing points of view or, or embracing ideas or uh, you know supporting each other in those difficult moments, uh, those are going to be you know indicators that we we may not have the culture we think we have. Um, so uh, you know th- those are things to to look for. I, I think leadership really needs to step up when things are tough, and, and that's probably the best answer I can give you for your question. So, Darren, speed and excitement is not same as meaningful for all generations that you will have to deal with. Talk about digital. Things move fast. Speed is expected. Excitement is is desired by the leaders that, okay, if I'm building a good culture, everyone is excited. You take different generations. Somebody's close to retirement. They may have a different view of what they wanted for the time when they're awake to someone who is a Gen X who wants work-life balance, to the Gen Ys and millennials who want excitement. How do you create a hybrid culture, if you will, where everyone gets what they want so that they are able to contribute 
while thinking what is being done in the organization as a whole is meaningful for the whole organization because of someone who's a different generation may not find speed and excitement to be great, but they're also expected to play, take a part in it. How do you tackle this? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to really trying to get to know your teams and, and trying to constructively and intentionally build teams that do have a mix of, of personalities and, and, and generations, if you can, because you're, you're, always, you're going to need folks to play particular roles. When you're kicking off a project, sometimes you need those uh, folks who really crave the excitement and the new uh, to really sort of step up and, and really get people pumped up about coming along on this new journey. However, when you get to the sort of tail end of, of something where you're already deployed it, everything's kind of moving into production, there's going to be some folks who want that stability and that sort of base level consistency of maintenance. And so, again, having the different generations and their uh, sort of tendencies, not to generalize, but to have their those folks all present on your team at the same time is great because... In an IT organization, you got to do all that stuff. You got to bring the excitement. You got to bring the the new, but you also have to maintain and, and stay on, um, and stay up and and stay uh, current uh, with the things that you've been providing for your organization. And so, trying to find that balance and and really offering opportunity for folks to move around. Because again, just because you may be at the end of your career, career, uh, you know, heading towards retirement uh, per se. You may still want to do something new. You may have gotten into technology in the first place because you were excited about uh, new initiatives, new digital uh, opportunities to, to change the way people do business or, or run their lives. And so you have to be, I think, open to allow for folks to uh, participate in different at different levels and different projects you know, where you have different roles and, and needs. But then you also have to try to be intentional about making sure that you provide opportunities for folks to keep them engaged at places where they can do their best. Because if you try to put the person uh, completely fish out of water in something that they are really not not feeling and not uh, not really engaged in, you know, you're going to risk the overall success of a project. So it's it's a balancing act, but it is one that I think most IT organizations really do have to learn how to do and, and try to do well in order to be successful. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Jonathan, what if you have two or three different flavors or two or three different generations or mindset or personalities who may have all the skills that you need, but they bring a different mindset, which would be the best they would like to keep in order for them to join you. So you mentioned about hiring people. So you may have a point of entry at the time when we you mention something to these people and create excitement, and that's why they would get attracted to you. Another is to retain them. And now you're talking not just the youngsters who are looking for the Google, Facebook kind of culture, but also the other people within your organization. So I'm not repeating the same question I asked Darren, but here... Would you give a different flavor of what your culture is to different people at the time of entry or for the for retention, depending on who they are? And if you do, how do you stay consistent with what that culture, that one culture you're trying to develop when you're giving different things to, like a different strokes for different folks? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Your 
growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Jonathan, different generations, different mindsets, different personalities. At the point of hiring them or retaining them, you have to tell what would mean well and stay consistent with that one vision, one culture you're trying to develop. That doesn't look like a straightforward exercise. So, how do you tackle this? Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, you, you know, when, when you're interviewing a person for an opportunity, uh, the person should be interviewing you too. And, uh, you know, it, it, particularly in the tech field today, I, I have to say we're, we're very fortunate that there are lots of opportunities. The, uh, the marketplace is, is pretty good right now. So, you know, prospective employees have uh, options. Right, so you need to really look deeply at the organization you're joining. Does it reflect your values? Uh, is, it, is it a domain that you're interested and excited about? So in a way, the marketplace is filtering folks. You know, they come, finally, you know, a person's decided that they, they're interested in working for my organization in the city. They come, go through the panels. They're finally in front of me, and we're having that conversation. And I really do hope there's, a, there's a, a, an interview going both ways. And um, what I'm looking for are some sort of core behaviors. I'm looking for great communicators. Uh, I, I'm looking for people who are excited about public service, uh, about you know higher a higher mission. Um, and and you know if, if the person is using words or is kind of talking about um, uh, the the work in, in a way that perhaps I, ultimately I believe that they don't fully understand what they're going to do or. Um, you know that they have a different expectation. We'll we'll discuss that, and and so you know, the recruitment process um, should be long. You know it's uh, you know hire slow, fire fast. So that's that's the mantra. So it's you know take your time where you can. You don't lose a great candidate, of course, and 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 try to vet people out. Now let's continue that sort of thought. The person comes on board. You think everything's great, uh, and then you know after a few months that person 
is having doubts. You know, did they make the right decision? Uh, I, I think there's an ongoing conversation. We, we, I, again, I, I would recommend to leaders that they, you know, they have regular check-ins with not only the people who directly report to them, but um, um, every level of their organization. Uh, it's a great way, by the way, to find out if you can what's going on, uh, although mostly people won't share the, the full truth with you. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. if you can, figure out, you know, are you happy? Are you, is, it, is it working out? Is it what you expected? What can we do? Um, and so that there is a kind of an ongoing monitoring uh, piece to this uh, that, that's valuable. But I think there's, there's a, 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 another part which is more sobering, which is it might have been a bad hire. The person might not be a good fit. They might not align with your vision. And, and so uh, we shouldn't shy away from that. We should confront it, and, you know, have that conversation. Uh, the best case scenario is that a person recognizes that and just voluntarily leaves. Uh, if they try to fight it, you know, despite what they feel, you know, that's just going to create, um, uh, you know, uncomfortable circumstances. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to uh, ensure that you've, you're hiring the right people and you're retaining the right people. So, uh, Darren, when you uh, look at the policies and governance and uh, command and control structure, which we used to be uh, using for our technology management or even our business management, all of that cannot really be sustainable when you talk about the digital age, which means you have to start looking at creating a culture which will allow experimentation, not again, reckless experimentation, but just about enough dose of uh, open sandboxing that it will allow the new ideas to come and also then the collaboration. What's the key to you allowing that while staying true to the culture that you are developing for digital? Yeah, so I think one of the keys is you, you have to give people, particularly the folks that report to you who have responsibility for you know initiatives or, or certain segments of your, your infrastructure, yeah, empower them to uh, sort of push push the envelope and try things in a in a manner that is conducive to you know the needs of your organization overall. And so, um, you're right. Sometimes our governance structures really do lag behind um, both the needs of the organization and also the technology that's available. And so, in that, sometimes you 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 have to let people kind of push a little bit ahead and then try to clear the path for them, uh, you know, kind of retrospectively uh, where you can so that they can go out and, and really try to make things better. And it always helps. It's always helpful when you've got your, ta- your team working directly with customers to meet the needs that they're seeing pretty much on the front lines, um, even if sometimes that gets out ahead of where your, your governance structure may uh, be able to respond to it because if you're dealing with issues right there as they occur, really working in partnership, you know those things will be communicated to to governance and you would likely get approval to to go forward anyway. Uh, and so it's one of those those areas where you really do have to create a culture of empowerment around um, really helping to solve problems as opposed to just following you know guidelines and rule sets. Those are important for for some things. Um, and you can't completely ignore them, uh, but you do have to give folks a little bit of leeway uh, to, to keep things moving forward as best we can, uh, given the pace of technology and the pace of, of changes that need to occur. 
Jonathan, when you are uh, looking at this scenario of digital, I'm sure you and Darren are not fully cooked. You do not know what's coming down the pike. Of course, there is learning for you. And when you yourself are learning and basically your neck is on the line, how the organization changes direction and what kind of culture you develop and how do you move forward, that means you want to, you're tempted to take a closer look at everything that's going on. And if you start doing it, that could stifle the very experimentation and the collaboration because people feel less enthused about collaboration and experimentation when they see somebody's closely watching. How do you resist that temptation and look the other way so people can play? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, big big question there. One of the things I just wanted to challenge a little bit was you know, you, you said potentially if, if I'm if if a person is doing something risky or you know their their neck is on the line, I, I think right there you got a problem. Uh, if you are pointing to one person and saying if they do this and it fails, they're in trouble, uh, you got a problematic culture right there. Um, th- th- there's shared responsibility today. You know, we, we all have to have a bit of skin in this, and we all have to agree to it, um, and we have to give people the confidence and permission to do the things they're doing with full support. Uh, otherwise, you know, the reality of what's going to happen is you won't see innovation in your organization. If people feel like they're going to be punished for failing or not getting the result that's expected, um, they're not going to do it, and they're going to be quiet. And you can see that in organizations that are, are more conservative or, or just don't have the, you know, not having the success in the marketplace that, that they would like. Um, you know, uh, Tony Isaiah, who, you know, he, he, the guy who founded um, uh, Sappos and, and, and uh, captured in his book, Delivering Happiness, um, he, he talks about, you know, happy, supported employees create organizations that have a 400% better results in the marketplace. And, and uh, that, <laughs> that's a real number right there. Um, so uh, I, I think we, we have to be deliberate and communicate clearly um, the permission we're giving to people and how we'll uh, operate when a, an experiment or an innovation doesn't go right, um, how the individual be supported by everybody. Uh, that, that's, I think, the approach. It's, it's not about looking the other way and sort of having a person go off and, and do their thing. Um, it, it, it's about um, a shared responsibility to innovation, to taking risks, and then... Uh, being highly supportive when things don't go so well. So you want to still stay stay attached, and I am uh, asking for a situation where you would purposely want to look away because because you are involved, you may be undermining what otherwise could have been experimented and or innovated. Do you always need to be that? I mean, how, how do you resist that temptation that I have to stay involved? How about a little bit of a hands-off? Yeah. No, I, I think that's right, too. Uh, people that are being watched behave differently. You know, we, we know about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so um, I think probably at the core of your question is the question of trust, right? Do, do you as a leader, trust the people you're empowering to do something, to be able to walk away and say, you know what, report back to me in six months. I don't, know, I don't need to know what you're doing every day. Um, that, that's probably a measure of trust and really difficult to do. <laughs> 
we shouldn't trivialize this. It's really difficult to do that. Because uh, as managers, you know, we, we feel ourselves accountable. We, we want to be involved because we want it to go right. Um, and uh, so it takes, it's a, it takes a high degree of trust. Um, it also, I think, just goes back to one of the core points I said earlier, which is providing sufficient buffer that when that team or that individual uh, is having problems or the, or the effort is failing, that there, there's that buffer to support that, that they, they're, you know, they're not in trouble. Um, so I think if you combine those two, you, you give people uh, uh, the, the space to innovate and, and you, you do sort of turn away your full trust and their ability to, to uh, at least give everything a good shot. And then if it doesn't go so well, they, they have your support uh, at that point. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. We'll continue this conversation of how the, the leader themselves, and Darren, this is going to be for you, is one is to uh, be able to trust, as Jonathan mentioned, so people can experiment. Another is to actually start fostering a culture where whether you're talking to the people above you, which is executive management, or the people below you, to start, basically stop risk aversion, risk aversion, because if there is a mentality that, okay, things are going well and I know I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do for digital, but let me do it with minimized risk. If we continue with that word risk as top of mind, then maybe we are not doing some of those daredevil things we ought to be doing for us to charge ahead and, and make a difference. How do we remove risk aversion from the organization in order to build a good conducive culture for the digital age. In short, that's the question. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sanjay Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So risk aversion is key, uh, which, is, which is actually, uh, in many cases, paralyzing organizations from top to bottom, even though you provide them immunity or you say, I'm going to allow you to experiment. But people simply would not want to bring ideas to you because they feel it's not worth it. What do you do about that, Darren? 
I think you, you do have to have a culture of, of, of really being open to opportunity and really letting both you, the people on your team who report to you and then also educating the folks that you report to that in order to improve things, in order to have a culture or, or drive continuous improvement in an organization, sometimes you got to take a chance. you got to try and push yourself a little bit beyond where you feel comfortable to get that, that great um, you know, benefit at the other side. And so, again, just like in, in investing, sometimes the things that have high reward you know, d- generally come with a little bit greater risk. And, and for organizations, um, if it was really simple and easy to do for these transformations, everybody would do them. You know, and that's what kind of separates out organizations who have a level of inertia and they just sort of stay put and they don't try anything new. And you find over time that those organizations start to uh, atrophy and, and uh, decline. I mean, I'm here in the city of Detroit, and we all know with our auto industry, they had a certain level of complacency around the cars that they were making and the reliance on trucks that when a change in the marketplace happened, that inertia led them, almost all of them, to the altar of bankruptcy. And so, again, learning from those types of, of examples, you have to try to push. You have to take a risk, try something new, go a little bit further out of your comfort zone to really be able to uh, take advantage of the rewards, greater rewards that could be on the other side. And um, coming to you, uh, Jonathan, when you are looking at the internal processes and you got the overall customer journeys, you got a lot of different departments thinking their own way. So while you may be sitting there trying to build a conducive culture and try to have that sentiment across the board, but people are able, people are undermining the overall potential of digital because they're thinking in silos because they feel that's how they're supposed to behave. So is that, say, your job or somebody's job, that one person's job to build one family, one village, if you will? I, I would make the case that this is probably the most um, uh, prolific and, and, and uh, visible uh, challenge that organizations are having today uh, is the is the poor distribution of belief in the, a common vision and and how to execute it. And particularly now, since so many organizations are either about to jump on or you know, in in the progress in the process of a of a digital transformation, um, I, I would bet that everyone listening and the three of us, you know, we experience in our organizations that this phenomenon every single day. Um, that you know, you, you we might say, hey, we're, we're on board, we get it, we're going forward, uh, but you're going to confront colleagues who are in a different place uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it's incentives. Um, or uh, different agendas, uh, they they may not yet be on board or may not believe in it. And, you know, it, it, it actually ultimately can be um, the reason why many cultural shifts and strategies ultimately fail is that um, the people, the influential folks and the, and the and leaders who needed to be part of it were, were, did not buy in. Um, so what differentiates then those kind of companies from the companies that are you know perform well is is that they created an environment where and 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 you don't see this so much in the public sector because I don't think we have this kind of culture but in the private sector which is you know I spent 20 years of my life in um, you know 
there are incentives that suggest that if you're not on board, you're, you may not be in the right place. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it becomes potentially a, a performance challenge, right? That if you have a strong leader who is trying to bring the organization in a particular direction, you know, ultimately, if you don't agree with it, you're not on board, you know, let's have the conversation, you know, are you in the right place? Uh, that's a little bit more cutthroat, uh, and, and, and one hopes you don't get to that, that extreme. Um, uh, so, you know, part of your question, I think, just to, to conclude here was, uh, whose job is it? You know, and, and you said, you asked if it was my job. I, I, you know, I, I have a role, but I don't know that it's my job to make sure everybody's on the same page. I think what we can do as CIOs is uh, paint a compelling vision, um, demonstrate uh, good behaviors that uh, are the kind of behaviors you want to model for the organization, uh, really be clear about advantages and why somebody should get on board and what's in it for them and their organization. Uh, and, and, and hopefully you start to see the, the needle uh, move forward. Uh, but keeping in mind that this is one of the hardest things to do. And, and, and to that end, uh, Darren, when you're looking at this is one of our last questions, um, if, if you had to make an impact on hacking away or chiseling away the additional slack that we've been carrying or the baggage, how do you actually start, how do you rationalize what to hack away so that your this digital image or digital sculptor that you're trying to build in terms of culture starts shaping up? Yeah, that it takes a lot of, of time and listening to, to really understand where it is that the organization really wants to go and, and, and what, I mean, you know, I, I work and I think in the public sector we often are working in organizations that have existed a long time. You know, they're, you know cities and, and universities are, are not like, you know, startup companies that, that really can change their culture on a dime or, or have the flexibility to just say, you know, we're just not going to do this anymore. We're going to do something different. You know, your ability to pivot is limited. And so with that, you really have to be sure about whether or not the leadership, the collective leadership that you both report to and, and are in, in charge of really is on the same page around where it is you're trying to go, what the overall vision of that organization is. And then make some, I think, both uh, calculated and, and really introspective looks at what things do you need to jettison in order to stay true to that end goal or that, that higher vision that the organization wants. And you got to get as much buy-in as you can, but sometimes, you know, in your role, you have to take a calculated uh, risk to say, this thing we should let go. You know, we have been doing this for 10, 20 years. It may be time to let it go. Uh, you know, and, and I think in IT in particular, we're always faced with things that, while they may still be working, seconds. A, new, yeah, a new technology comes in and, uh, you know, allows you to do things better. And you have to be open and accessible to letting things go and trying something new. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Jonathan and Darren, for sharing your views on how to envision the possibly best culture for the digital age and then chisel it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry.